Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Welcome. Hallelujah. We're just about ready to begin our time of worship. We just invite everyone to come on in, find you a seat. Uh, we're delighted to be here today, and we're glad you're here. Praise God. Amen. It's always good when we can come together with our brothers, our sisters in the Lord, and worship together. Amen. What a privilege that is. Amen. 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 Well, welcome to Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. Hallelujah. I hope you came expecting to meet with God today. We want to lift Him up and glorify His name. That name that's above every name. Amen. He's worthy of our praise this morning. I just want to encourage you this morning before we pray and open in worship, continue to pray for those in the Philippines. I know Brother Bowden's been sharing with us. Uh, they had a storm that moved through, massive flooding, hundreds missing, and, 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 and many are, have been killed by this storm. We just want to pray for them. Amen. You know, I was thinking, and as I've been praying this week, I've been thinking about that. You know, when, when things hit close to home... We, we tend to get, it gets our attention a little bit more. Amen. And sometimes when we hear about something that's far away and it's not really touching me, but it needs to touch us. It needs to touch us to a point that we'll stand in the gap and that we'll pray, Jesus said, naked and you clothed me. He said, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison. And you came unto me. But when we pray, when we pray, when we pray, it touches the heart of God. We want to pray for that country, for that nation. We want to pray for our nation, but we want to exalt the King of glory today. Will you stand this morning with me? What a mighty God we serve, church. He's a mighty God. There's nothing too hard for Him. I don't know what you're faced with today, but I can tell you that God will never forsake you. He'll never leave you. He'll walk with you through whatever it is you're going through, and He'll see you through to the other side. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He's a mighty God. Oh, let's worship Him with all of our heart today. Hallelujah. Father, we love You today. Father, we thank You that You are a mighty God, that You're sovereign over all of creation, Lord God. And Father, as we come to Your house today to worship You, Lord God, Father, we want to take a moment, Lord, and we want to lift up those in the Philippines, Lord God, that are suffering, God, from this massive storm and this flooding that's widespread. Homes are underwater and demolished. People are missing, Lord God. Father, we lift them up to You, Lord God, and pray that in the midst of this turmoil and tragedy, God, that You would be there, that You would touch hearts, Lord God, that You would minister in a way that only You can, Lord God, that You would pour out Your grace, Lord God, that You would pour out Your love, that You would reach those that are still lost. Lord God, right now, we pray that You would intervene for the Philippines, Lord, in Jesus' name. Save and deliver them, Lord God, and heal them today. Father, we pray for our nation this morning. God, for revival in our nation, we pray that you would move in a mighty way. Let there be unity in our nation, Lord, once again, Lord. Father, we pray, God, do a great and a mighty work, Lord God. Minister in Jesus' name. Now, Father, as we turn our focus to you, Lord God, 
Father, right now, Lord God, we just forget about everything, Lord God, that's going on around us. And we tune in to your presence this morning, Lord God. As we lift our song to you, may you be lifted up. May you be glorified today, for you are worthy in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
victory, Lord God. You are faithful, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amazing grace. Where would we be without it? Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness and for your amazing grace. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Who's Lord is
God, we stand confidently on your word. We stand confidently on your great and precious promises. We stand confidently on your victory and all that you have purchased, all that you have achieved for us. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. We hope, we believe, we war our good war. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are completely dependable. We thank you that you are continually faithful. We thank you that you don't change your mind. We thank you that your blood never loses its power. We thank you, Lord, that your promises are yes and amen. And this day, we place our hope, our trust, we place our all in you and all that you have done. And for that, we give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your victory on the cross. Thank you for the great salvation you have given us. Amen and amen. And all God's people said, God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Don't put your trust in that which doesn't stand. Put your trust in Christ. Amen. Solid rock. The consistent rock. Heaven and earth will pass away and this pond will rise up and that will go down. But my word, he said, never pass away. Amen. His word. So we can build our faith on uh, what's going to last. Amen. Amen. Some things last when the sun shines, but they don't last when the rain comes. Some shine when the economy's up, but they don't shine too much. But I know Jesus. Amen. Mountaintop or in the valley. He's shining. He's raining. He's good. Amen. Life might not always be good, but He's good. Man, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel 22. We want to look at two texts this morning as we continue a short series from the life of David. These are David's um, early days, his pre-kingship, his um, preparation year. So we begin, we'll just read a couple of verses from 1 Samuel 22, and then we'll jump to Psalm 142. But here we go. The Bible says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Abdullah. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. And all those who were in distress or in debt, or discontented, gathered around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. Now, if you would, turn to Psalm 142. Because this is one of the Psalms that David wrote when he was in that cave with all those wonderful characters. This is um, what he wrote when he was in that most trying time of his early life. And David writes Psalm 142, verse 1, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before Him. Before Him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge. You are my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry. I'm in a desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I might praise your name. Then the righteous will gather around me because of your goodness to me. New King James would say, for you shall deal bountifully with me. We want to use as a title this morning, Caves Can Be Converted. 
caves can be converted. In our text, David has just bottomed out. In a downward swirl of events, he lost his position, he lost his job, he lost his wife, he lost his home, he lost his trusted counselor, Samuel, he'll never see him again, his closest friend, Jonathan, the prince, never again, and finally his self-respect, if you know the story. Mm. Now remember, David, he had been anointed king already, so he's anointed of God. He killed the giant, he's seen the victory of God. He's been received into King Saul's court. He was living the good life. The nation sang his praises and the troops followed his lead. But then Saul, he became jealous. He became hostile. His uh, insecurity became so deranged that he began to attack David and assault David and finally try to kill David. And David finally is forced to flee with just about the clothes on his back. And David allows fear to grip his heart. And in an act of desperation, it kind of threw him out of character. And from one bad decision to another, it's terrible when we get hasty and impulsive and we allow fear to begin to guide our steps instead of faith. But first David runs to the place called Nob, and that's where the priests are. And he gets there and he has to lie and scheme, and it's so costly. When Saul finds out that he went there, Saul wound up slaying about 85 of the priests, their families. And then from there, he, he runs to Gath. I don't know if you remember Gath. That's where Goliath comes from. Amen? Goliath of Gath. That's the enemy. That's the Philistine country. And he gets there because when, you know, when you're in desperation, you just do things you don't even think. You just say things you don't even think. And then you get there. And he got there and all of a sudden people began to elbow the king and say, King of Gath, listen, don't you know who that is? That, that's, that's David. That's the one that killed him. That's the, and David has, what can we say? Um, you know the commercial? He has one of those, do you want to get away moments. And he has to play insane, the Bible says. And then he runs. And then he runs. And when David stops running, he's in a cave. He's a far cry from the royal palace. He's even farther, it seems, from God's royal promise. And you know, there's a cave of Abdullam in everyone's life. You might be facing a cave experience this morning. It could be a cave of discouragement, of frustration, of sorrow. It could be that lonely place, that hurting place, that defeated place. But I want you to know, there is no cave deep or dark enough that can shut God out. There is no cave or storm or trial of life that is so dark and deep that the love and the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus cannot penetrate that cave. Isn't that what Paul was writing when he said in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Can tribulation, distress, persecution, famine... No! He says, even in the midst of those things, because we don't avoid those things, many times we have to go through those things. But he says, even in the midst of those things, we're more than conquerors through the One that loves us, through the One that cares for us, through the one that keeps us. God won't be shut out. In fact, He draws near when we need Him the most. Others walk out and Jesus walks in. What a Savior. What a Savior. He comes down and He lifts us up and He brings us through glory and honor to the name that's above every name. In fact, when we study the Bible, this experience that up to date is David's toughest experience, it's during this time in his life that he writes some of the most Precious verses of his life. I mean, he meets God in such a special way that he has such a revelation of God in this dark and hard place that he wrote many of the Bible verses that we love so much today. Many of the verses in the Scriptures that inspire and lift us up today. For instance, in Psalm 34, he wrote that while he's 
in the cave while he's running for his life. He writes, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Amen. From there, he says, hey, we might go through it, but our God doesn't abandon us. He brings us through it, man. Every time, every time, he will not fail. He wrote Psalm 57 there, and he writes those beautiful words. What's he say? His love reaches to the heavens and his faithfulness unto the skies. Amen. He says, one thing I learned when I was going through the dark, dreary places of life, that God God is still faithful. Amen. Some are faithful when the sun is shining, but Jesus is faithful even when I'm hurting, even when I'm despairing, even when others are forsaking. Jesus is there, the good, good shepherd of my soul, whispering His word of comfort, whispering His word of compassion, bringing us through what a God we serve. It was in this situation that David writes again, Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me out of all of my fears. And we that know the Lord, we can testify of the power of prayer. It doesn't just work in the sanctuary. It works in the reality. It works when the doctor shakes his head. It works when they say the shop is closing down. It works because our God is a prayer answering God. You might be in a cave of sorrow, a cave of frustration. Fear not! You serve a God that cannot fail. He says, call on me and I'll answer you and I'll minister to you and I'll bring you through. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah! We're learning about responding to the cave as we can't avoid them. So we ought to learn how to respond to them. Isn't that right? If I could avoid them, I would every time. I'd zig, I'd zag, I'd bob, I'd weave. But I found out once you get done denying and running, if God wants you going through a cave, you're going through a cave. Amen? So you might as well learn how to go through with faith. This was the lowest moment of David's life. He expresses his feelings in Psalm 142. We'll call this the cave and its emotion, or the emotion in the cave. Remember, life just got turned upside down. He had it good, didn't he? He's just a young man. I mean, he's a captain of troops. He's married to the king's daughter, eating at the king's table. His family exempt from taxes. Things are pretty good. But then old Saul, who God had left him, and when God leaves a person, they can get awful ugly. Amen? And he began to get jealous and angry, and things got hard on David. So he's in the cave. He's in the cave. There's no security in that cave to speak of in the natural. There's no food there. There's no one to talk to. He just ran for his life. There's no present promise to cling to. He's alone in a dark cave, away from everything and everybody except God. Man, when you feel alone, remember, you're never alone if you're a child of God. He's in the cave and David expresses his heart. He says, I feel, number one, he says, I feel disorientated. You see in verse 3, he says, well, my spirit grows faint, but you know my way. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how I got here. Right now, I feel like I need to reroute my router. Amen. But all I know is God. He says, I feel disorientated. King James says, I feel overwhelmed. I feel faint. Literally, it says, my spirit feels muffled. I'm so heavy on the inside. The weight of what I'm going through is so hard, it's hard for me to think clear. It's hard for me to navigate. I've lost my bearings, and I don't know what to do. I feel disorientated. I feel deserted in verse 4. No one cares for my soul, he says. It feels alone. Nobody cares. Problems can isolate us. Problems can make us believe the lie of hell that no one cares about me and everyone's forgotten me. 
And even God, for some reason, is not answering me. He feels disorientated. He feels deserted. He feels depressed. You see that in verse 6. I'm brought very low. New King James, I'm brought very low. I'm in a desperate place. I'm in a defeated place. This is just too much for me. I feel like giving up. How did I get here? Where did I go wrong? These are all the things that come with the emotion in the cave. These are all the things that come when life hits us and we weren't expecting it. Or something unforeseen just crushes us and we can't even think straight. The emotion of the cave. But now, this is how David felt, but I I want you to see what David does. You see, if you've ever been there, we can all relate. If you've ever been hit with a tornado, an emotional, spiritual tornado that you didn't see coming, you can understand feeling disorientated. You can't even think straight. Amen? You you talk foolish. You don't even know what to think. and You feel like you're so alone and you're just isolated and overwhelmed by it all. But if you've been there, you understand this. But notice, in the midst of this, and you see this in Psalm 142, you see this clearly in Psalm 57. In the midst of this, something's happened that I don't want us to miss. It's one of those things that makes David so different. And remember, in this study, we keep rehearsing the thought that God is looking for Davids today. He is looking for men and women after his own heart that are willing to fight the Lord's battles and deal with the present giants that stalk the land, for there are giants in the land today. And God are looking for those that will take the lead and inspire the troops. And we're studying this. So don't miss this about David. It makes him so unique and so different. In the midst of every trial or tragedy, in the midst of every disappointment or dry spell, David refuses to lose sight of God. The backslider has lost sight of God. The one that goes through a tragedy but never returns, they lost sight of God. But one thing we notice about David, and if you know his story, this is just the beginning of things he'll go through in life. Some he brought on him, he caused. Other things just happened to him because he fought the Lord's battles. But David would not, he refuses to lose sight of God. He refuses to let go of God. He refuses up calling and crying out to God. And spiritually speaking, friend, you have to fight back. It's called a fight of faith. You have to rise up and respond to the adversity and the disappointments. Don't just lay down and die. But spiritually rise up and live and believe and call on this God and trust this God and go forward with this God. Here's the key. We want to emphasize this. David's going to turn the situation around. Or rather, we should say, God is getting ready to turn David's situation around. But he does that because David responds properly to his adversity. That's the key here. God is limited by our lack of faith or our lack of obedience. God is often limited when we choose not to respond to His Word or move out in faith. Some people just want to lay down, put the thumb in the mouth and say, if God wants to help me, He can. Honey, it don't work that way. You have a job to do if you want to grow in God, if you want victory in God. You can't just give up and die. You've got to rise up and live. Let God be true and every man a liar. There is a faith that's called the fight of faith where regardless of what we're facing, we can praise Him as the tears stream down our cheek and we can trust Him when everything around us seems 
seems like it's falling apart. Somebody rise up and put every excuse aside. Rise up and say, Jesus, if you don't heal me, I'm going to praise you anyhow. Jesus, if you never answer my questions, I'm going to love you and trust you anyhow. Somebody give God an amen. David turns it around. And this is a great truth for young, aspiring Davids. Again, God is looking for men and women who will be Davids in this present hour. Men and women after God's own heart. Inspire His troops and fight His battles and deal with the giants. You see, God wants to use you to influence, to inspire and to ignite others. But in order to do that, but first you've got to learn how to ignite yourself. If God's going to use us to inspire others, first I need to learn how to inspire myself. One needs to learn, if you want to be a David, how to encourage yourself in the Lord. How to stir up your gift. How to fan your flame into fire. How to rally your fight of faith in the moment of crisis. Leaders have got to be self-starters. Leaders must be self-motivated. Talking in the realm of faith. In the realm of that spiritual walk. Listen, before I manage you, I've got to be able to manage me. Before I can do much motivating of others, I've got to learn how to manage me. Right here. Can you say amen? The emotion of the cave. What are we going to do with that emotion? Don't let it embitter you. Don't let it cause you to become a critic. We don't need any more of those. What do we do with the emotion in the cave? We bring it to God. We bring it to God. We don't nurse it. We don't curse it. We don't rehearse it. We've heard that story for 30 years. We don't deny it. The Bible says we bring it and we cast it and we entrust it to God. And there's a big difference. And there's a big difference. We bring it to the one that the Bible describes as our burden bearer. He says, I'll bear that burden that you weren't meant to bear. The broken heart healer. And he'll heal areas of brokenness that doctors cannot even recognize or see. He's called the friend that sits closer to a brother than those that don't understand. He understands that those that really can't bear anymore, he stands with us and walks through it. His throne is described as a throne of grace where we can come with a confidence that he's there to give us the mercy and the grace and the help we need in every trial of our lives. So we need to bring it to God. Bring it. Here's a key. Remember this. Don't ever forget this. And if you're guilty of it, ask God to help you get healed and help you get victory in your life. I believe I talked to somebody. Remember, such trials have the potential. They're pregnant with potential. Not good potential. They're pregnant with potential to embitter, to bring a person to quitting, and just to damage a person's faith that though they might not ultimately reject God, they're never the same in God. Trials and tragedies and caves carry with them the potential like any wound, there's the potential of infection. And you can get healed of the injury, but the infection will kill you. You can get healed of the main thing, but that infection will make you lose a limb. Amen. Come on, speak with me now. And when we go through the caves of life, it's of greatest importance of how I respond. 
Because if I want to deny them or just use them as an excuse to be ugly the rest of my days or to be whatever, it has the potential in it to embitter me. And I can lose my sweetness and lose my song. I can lose my peace and I can lose my joy. What happened? Well, 30 years ago, 15 years ago, there's the potential in each cave to embitter me. There's the potential in each cave experience just to make me want to quit. If this is what I get for, for serving God, if this is what I get for being a woman after God's own heart, if this is what I get for raising my kids in God's house so faithfully, I don't... Oh, somebody, God wants to talk to you this morning. Or it can just cripple me. Never the same. Used to come to God's house, but used to come joyfully. Used to come with an expectation. Used to come there to hold you back. You wanted to sing joyfully unto the Lord, but now you come, but that song got lost somewhere in 1978. That, 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 that joy somehow. And though the faith is there, it's been a crippled faith. And God wants to make you whole. And God wants to restore your song and restore your strength and bring a fresh healing into your life that you can finish faithfully in God, faithfully in the will of God. Number one, we bring it to God. That's what David did. He brought it to God. You see that in verses 1 and 2. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. Verse 2, I pour out my complaint before Him. I tell Him my trouble. You've told everyone else your trouble. Tell God your trouble. You see that in verses 5 and 6. I cry to you, O Lord. Listen to my cry, for I'm in a desperate need. He's just bringing the burden to God. He's being honest to God. He's pouring out His heart. He's casting His care. He's expressing His pain. He's crying out, God, help me. God, heal me. God, forgive me. My heart is overwhelmed. What do I do when my heart is overwhelmed? I bring the heart to God. I bring my brokenness to God. He communicates. Number one, He communicates His need. He expresses His emotion. And and dear one, that's why it's so important that you have a prayer life. That's why it's so important that in the good times, you know how to talk with Jesus. So when the bad times come, you're not talking to a stranger. That's why it's so important that you develop that personal relationship with the Lord. That you have a prayer time with God so that when these times come, you're not talking to a stranger. You're talking to a friend. You're not talking to a foreigner. You're you're talking to, to the one that you love and the one you commune with all the time. Number one, he communicates his need. He communicates his need to God. Sometimes we communicate it to everyone but God. But don't stop there. Tell your neighbor, don't stop there. Don't stop there. Now, some people will do that. They will come and they'll cry out and they'll pour out and they'll give God their complaints. Amen. God says, oh, I've heard some of y'all's complaints. My, my, my. I've heard that. But don't stop there. Secondly, he confesses his confidence. You see, this is really how we start to fight back to get the victory. It's all right to pour out our hearts. God wants us to. It's all right to cast our cares. God's told us to. But don't stop there. If we really want to get the victory, and we really want to do our part that God can turn things around, then I've got to begin to declare what I believe in the Lord. He confesses his confidence. It's verses 3 and 5, you see that. In verse 3, my spirit grows faint within me. You know my way, Lord. You know my way. You know what I'm going through. 
But the Lord knows the way I take, Job said. God, no one else might know, and I don't even know. But Lord, you know, and I can, you know it, Lord. You know, and you're in control. You're still guiding me, and you're still leading me. And he rises out, he says, oh, I cry out to you, oh Lord. I say, you're my refuge. You're my portion. No one else cares for me, but God, you care for me, and you're with me. He's saying, Lord, you know my way, and you're my refuge. I'm disorientated, but you're still guiding me. I've lost much through this, but oh God, I still have you. You're my portion. And friend, this is how we begin to fight back, spiritually speaking. This is how we fight back, by declaring what we believe by speaking forth our confidence and our certainty in God. Again, a big part of fighting back. Let me give you two quick examples. We all love Psalm 91. Most of us here this, with this group, I know most of us here can quote it. Amen. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Next verse. Let's look at verse 2. Let's look at verse 2. 91 and verse 2. And David says, And I will say... I will say, don't take down, I will say, I will not think, I will say, I will declare what I know and believe about my God. It might not look so, it might not feel so. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, He's my God in whom I trust. Amen. The doctor shook his head, but I say, I trust in my God. The economy's tanking, but I say, I trust trust in my God. Everyone else has fled. They don't even return my texters. I don't text, but you know, they don't return my phone call. But guess what? God is my refuge and God is my strength. A very present help in time of trouble. And he says this and he declares this. People say, well, what are you going to say? I'll tell you what I'm going to say. I'm going to say God is good. God is faithful and God is with me. What am I going to say? I'm going to say God's brought me through some other heartache and He won't bail on me now. He'll bring me through. He'll bring me through. Through the fire and through the storm. It's not I that holds the rock, but praise God, it's the rock that holds me and doesn't let us go. Let me give you one from the New Testament. Uh, again, in Hebrews 13, He just gets done writing the fifth verse and, and God has said, and God has said, never will I leave thee nor forsake thee. Therefore, we may say. You see, I'm not just shooting off my head. I'm saying, I know what God has said. We read what God has said. Therefore, we can say. Can you say amen? I'm not just making this thing up. I'm declaring what God has declared. I'm just confessing. I believe what God has said. Are you with me? God has spoken. We serve a God that speaks. We serve a God that has spoken. And I choose to say what God says. I choose to declare what I believe. In fact, you can't be saved if you have not declared what you believe. But you've got to believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Somebody, Jesus is Lord. Buddha is not the way. Muhammad is not the way. The Virgin Mary is not the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to get to heaven, you got to go through Jesus. If you want to have sins forgiven, you got to go through Jesus. If you want to know life eternal and abundant and fulfilling and full of purpose, my Lord, you got to come to Christ. you got to put your faith in Him and let Him do His wonderful work in you. 
you. Somebody say amen. Oh, what a God we serve. What a God we serve. But we are going to turn the situation around. How do I respond to the negative? Well, I'm going to pour out my heart to God. I'm not going to deny I'm hurting. I'm not going to deny this thing is getting me a little fearful. But I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to draw near Jesus and say, Lord, you got to help me, Lord. I'm overwhelmed by this. I don't know what to do about this, Lord. I know maybe I ought to be stronger, but Lord, i got to confess right now I'm feeling pretty weak. Help, Lord! And God speaks back. God speaks back, don't He? Has He not spoken in this good book? Has He not spoken wonderful, great and precious promises that we can hug and we can embrace and we can believe? And God, often He'll speak by Spirit, but He's always speaking by that book. And He'll speak to us. And when we, we hear that Word, we believe the Word. Do we not? Do you believe the Word? Don't stop there. Now you got to speak that Word. I'm going to declare that Word. Amen? I'm going to go. Oh, hallelujah. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my Helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. But don't you know that what's happening in the White House? What can man do to me? Don't you know what we've been through these last four years? What can man do to me? Oh, hallelujah. I hit everybody. Independent, leftist, rightist. I hit you all. You're not knowing Jesus. You're going to hell. Oh, did he say that? I believe that's gospel. Amen. He's a Republican. He's going to hell just as quick as a Democrat. You don't know the Lord. Last time I checked, the good book don't say, uh, 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 when, when I see your, your, your political card, I'll pass over you. He says, when I see the blood, hallelujah, if you don't have the blood of Jesus applied to your life. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Let me just be honest. I'm off my notes. Oh, Lord, don't know what time it is. Oh, help us, Jesus. Let me just say something. Let me just be clear. And I, you know, I don't, I don't deal with a lot of this political stuff. I think most of the church is backslid, and if we get back where we need to be, if, if God ever judges America, it won't be because of a bad president. It'll be because of a backslidden church. Don't you ever forget that. Last time I read my book, the Bible talks about salt and light, not being a political party, but being the church. And when that church loses its salt and its savor, then the judgment comes. Then we no longer have an effectiveness to keep this world as it ought to be. Come on, say amen. Let's not be foolish. All this nonsense. Let nonsense in the house of God. We're the called out ones. We're the chosen. We're the redeemed of the Lord. We're called to higher things. We're called to eternal things. My Lord, get your focus back on Jesus and the wonderful salvation and the great commission we have to let the world know Jesus saved. Jesus saved. Christ died for you. Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the nation in which you live. Jesus loves loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus is willing to receive you. Hallelujah. 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 We get very political typically because we're so backslidden. And judgment begins where? Thank you. Thank you. Some can't make it out more than once a month. My Lord, have mercy. And we won't blame it on a politician. Church been belly aching about prayer in schools for 30 years. Can't get prayer in most of their houses. Woo! Woo! Come on, someone say, now he's preaching. Come on, you're Pentecostal. He's supposed to like this preaching. Amen? Oh, we only like this preaching during revival time. Then it's acceptable. If not, it stroked me, pat me. I want to say we need to get with it. Isn't that right? 
We need to become the church. We need to rise up. Put God first. Seek God with all our hearts. Don't get caught up in a lot of the nonsense. Seek you first the kingdom of God. Like that man of God once said. He said, you know that early church that turned their world upside down? They never once said if we could just get a better Caesar, everything would be all right. But they never ceased preaching and teaching. Jesus, Jesus, he's alive. Jesus, the only way. Jesus. They shook their world. Amen. Let's get in love with Jesus again. Let's get on fire for Jesus again. Let's be bold and totally sold out and declaring the goodness of the Lord again. Hallelujah. He's declaring His certainty in God. I don't always have to feel it to declare it. My situation doesn't have to look in agreement with it for me to declare it. And this begins an awakening of faith and of hope. It stirs a fight instead of laying down and dying. He's going to rise up and live. Things are changing in David's situation. Because now he hasn't seen anything yet. But the expectation of victory is starting to fill his heart and to fill his mind. This is not the end. And failure doesn't have to be final. In the cave doesn't mean curtains. For our God is a God of restoration and rebuilding and reviving. He's a God of new beginnings. You might be listening and you know you're not where you once were with God. You know you're not where you once were with God. I've got good news. He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to restore you. And He wants to revive you. And He wants to rebuild you. He's just asking of you that you'll be honest and you'll respond and you'll allow Him to breathe fresh grace upon your life. Hallelujah. Glory. The emotion of the cave is getting ready to give way to the visitation in the cave. What seemed like a prison is about to be transformed, and not only to a house of praise, but a training ground for mighty men. Wow. I said caves can be converted. Caves can be converted. We said, number one, David was honest about his condition. David was honest about his condition. In times of trouble, pressure, heartache, hurt, Draw near and pour out your heart to God. Develop that prayer life. Take advantage of the throne of grace. And it's time to pray, to talk with Jesus. But secondly, he was heroic in his confession. He was heroic in his confession. God speaks. God has spoken. We believe and we declare. We've heard what God says. Now what will you say? We've heard what thus saith the Lord. What is written now? What will we declare? From feeling to declaring, faith declares God's word. And many times it demands courage to declare God's goodness when you don't feel too good. It takes courage to declare God's greatness when your situation don't seem so great. But this announces our confidence and trust in God. For we cannot be ruled by our emotion. We cannot be ruled by anger or fear or insecurity or discouragement. We must be ruled by the Spirit if we're going to walk in the Spirit. And the Spirit is always walking by the Word. The Spirit is always in line with the Word. 
In the face of trial and trust, I will declare what I believe about God. I will announce and I will give voice to my faith and not my fears and not my feelings. I will declare God will help me. God will heal me. God will see me through this. Jesus will defend my cause. Jesus will enable me to stand and do what I must do. Jesus will. The Lord will take care of me. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. He began this good work in me and He's promised to fulfill it. I can do all things through His strength and He gives me that strength to face what i got to face and face it as a child of the living God. He was honest about His condition. The privilege of sincere prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. He was honest about his condition. He was heroic in his confession. I will say, I will say, what will we say? He was helpful in his deliverance. He was helpful in his deliverance. Now, you and I have a part to play in the change, in the breakthrough, in the advancement, in the answer that we're looking for. Our faith must act. We must do our part. Faith must work so God can honor it. We participate and we cooperate with God. You know, the Bible teaches that faith without works is dead. That God requires action that demonstrates our faith, what we believe. Now, I remember coming home from college many, many moons ago. That spring semester, right? Summer is finally here. Praise God. Summer is here. And that last week of college was usually pretty tough. It was um, late nights, lack of sleep, finishing up the term papers, getting ready for all the final exams. But finally, home we go. Summer is here. Amen? Now, back home, up north, we lived in a ranch house and finished basement. And my bedroom was in the basement. And, you know, um, Dad would give me one day to sleep just a little later than normal. And by that second day, he'd come home from that third shift. Worked that third shift. By the time he'd get home, you know, a little after seven, he'd come home. He'd come home that third shift. And that second day, and he'd start flashing that light. He'd start yelling downstairs, down the hall, down the basement. I can still hear him now. Let's go! Up and at him! That job's not coming looking for you! See, Dad believed pray with participation. You see what I mean? I'm telling him, that was my dad's subtle way of teaching faith without works is dead and not acceptable in his house. <laughs> Subtlety was never one of dad's strong points, if you can say that. And if my boys were here, they'd say, we see it runs in the family. Well, anyhow, um, um, the Bible teaches you've got to do your part. You've got to be helpful in your own deliverance. My action must correspond with my confession. Wow. Isn't that throughout the Bible? Isn't that all over the Bible? A little woman's going to get a miracle after doctors wrote her off and for 12 years she's hemorrhaging to death. 
But in order to get that miracle, it has to be more than just hearing about Jesus. It had to be more than just believing what she heard. She had to act on what she heard and press through the crowd and fight through the disappointment until finally she touched him. You participate in your progress. You have to be helpful in your deliverance. We remember these stories, don't we? Peter one time caught the biggest catch of fish he ever caught in his life. But not until he casted that net one more time when Jesus told him to and he didn't feel like it, and he didn't even agree with it, but he did it because the Lord said so, and he got the biggest catch. He had to participate in his deliverance or in his miracle. It's not just saying, I know the truth, I believe the truth, I must act upon the truth. We think about that man that was paralyzed years and years and years, and he got a glorious miracle that he could run again and walk again and leap again. But first, he's got to allow his friends to carry them. And when the times are hard, they tore through a roof. They did whatever they had to do. They fought whatever opposition they had to fight to get Him to the place where He could be touched by Jesus. Dear widow in that Old Testament was getting ready to lose her sons to the creditors. Couldn't pay her bills. She needed a financial miracle. She went to the prophet. That's a good step. She went to God. He represented God. But that wasn't enough, was it? We can go to God, but then we've got to hear the Word from God. And that's not enough just to hear that Word. Then I've got to meet the requirements of that Word. The prophet said, what do you got? You know, we're ready to give up. We're ready to give up. we got a lot of excuses. But God says, what do you got? What do you got to work with me for your miracle? What do you have that you can use to finish strong, even if you've got two more days? She said, I oh, know, I got, I got a, an empty vessel and just a little, little bit of oil. Yeah, go, 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 go. You and your boy, get all the vessels you can. Knock on every door from, from Durant to Lakeland. You hit every door. You put them in your little buggy and you drive them on home. Amen. You ask for vessels, empty vessels, man. We'll, we'll, we'll take, we'll take your coffee cans. We'll take your um, tomato paste can. You got it. We'll, we'll take it and then you bring it and then go ahead, go home and shut the door. Somebody say, shut the door. That means God wants to do a personal, private miracle in your life. Not every miracle is sensational in front of the crowd in public. God says, I'll do some miracles in the privacy of your home if you'll hear my voice and act on my word. If you'll just hear what I am telling you and do what you've been instructed to do. And she did. She got all the vessels. She shut the door. And as the prophet said, then begin to pour that oil. And she just had a little oil. But you know the mightiest thing happened when she worked with God. The little she had and flowed, and flowed, and flowed, and flowed. And it never stopped until her part ended. Until she could find no more vessels or she didn't get any more vessels. Until she... It flowed. And she was helpful in her deliverance. We've got to be partners in the miraculous. We have to cooperate with God. I say some of the young Christians, you're cooperating with God just by showing up faithfully. 
You're working with God to grow. You're working with God to overcome things from the past life just by faithfully coming out week after week and hearing the Word and being in the presence and meeting other believers. That You're working with God. You're doing your part. You're a partner in the miraculous. You're cooperating with God for your advancement and for your victory and for your miracle just by coming and just by acting and doing what you know to do. Doing the things you need to do. Doing the things that are common sense now that you're serving Jesus. Now that you're walking with the Lord. Do what you know is right to do. Do the things in life that you know the Lord would require of you. And just keep trying. And keep coming. And keep believing. And if you get knocked down, you get back up. Say, Lord, forgive me. Get back in that race. Amen. You have a couple of bad days. Don't let the bad days define you. Get back up and have some more good days. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, i got a hush. Time is escaping me. So when you can't get to the rest of this, the next group's going to get the rest of it. There's no time limit on them. Amen. They're, 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 they're stuck till I'm done. <laughs> We're going to end here. That last point is simply the visitation in the cave. You ever pray for something really hard? You're in a desperate place. And the answer comes. And quite frankly, if we're going to be honest, you didn't expect that was the answer. Have you ever really sought God? I God, I need an answer. God, you've got to answer me. And God did answer you. But quite frankly, that was not the answer you thought he'd answer. Because David's going to get his prayer answered. They're coming. About 400 of them. Broke, busted, and disgusted. Amen? I mean, they're bitter. They're in debt. They're distressed. They're angry. Nobody wants a bunch of broke, angry men. Lord, Lord, God, is this the way you're answering this prayer? Maybe you're even against Maybe you are against me, Lord. This is the They came. They came one way, but they didn't stay that way. They came one way. But by the time David got done with them, they were men of valor, men of character, and men of honor. Men that would help them bring the kingdom in. Glory be to God. Just like when you and I came to Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. We came broke, busted, and disgusted spiritually. We came frustrated. We came angry, beaten up by life. We came a mess. But aren't you glad Jesus didn't keep us that way? Amen? He's changed us and He's made us into men and women of honor, of valor, of purpose, of victory. And we'll expound on that next service. We're going to pray. Let's believe God together. Flip back to that other slide, please. The main slide. Go backwards. Keep going backwards. We're going to finish this up. Um, Go back one more. Keep going forward now, now that you're with me. Here we go. Get back there. One more. One more. Perfect. Perfect. He was honest about his condition. If you, as a believer, if you don't have a prayer time, you need to develop a regular prayer time. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be King James. You don't have to be deep. But it does need to be... A, a relationship means a relationship. I've met a lot of people. I don't have a relationship with a lot of people. Amen? You see the difference? I've met a lot of people. Maybe had a conversation or two, but we can't honestly say we have a relationship. You need to develop a relationship with your Lord and Savior. He's the one that cares for you beyond anyone else. 
He's the one that can help you beyond anyone else. You've got to develop it. And when you go through a cave experience, come to Jesus and pour out your heart. You don't have to sound pretty. Just has to be real. Talk to him. David's a man after God's own heart. He's crying out. He said, I'm just pouring out my heart, Lord. I'm in a desperate place. You've got to help me. No one cares about me. Oh, God, help me. God, have mercy. I mean, just pour out your heart. But then don't stop there. Then are you willing to declare what you really believe? Because you can't allow that part just to wallow and control you. Some have been honest about their condition too long. All right. God's heard it. We've heard it. Now it's about time to do your part to declare God's going to bring me through this. God's going to help me walk through this. God's going to give me grace to be better than this. How about that? Amen? But sometimes all we can do is say, God, give me grace to be better than this. You're not going to take it away. You're going to make me go through it. Okay, Lord, I accept that. Just give me grace to be better than this. Give me grace not to act like. Number three, be helpful in your deliverance. Is there something you need to do to partner, to cooperate with God for your breakthrough and for your blessing? And if I can be honest, we hit a certain age. We only have a certain life span. We're all going to die someday. And it might just be, God, give me grace to spend these next three, four, five years faithful, loving you, and being fruitful for you. It's the cycle of life. It's, the, it's appointed for a man one time to die. And then comes the judgment. So it might be as much as, Lord, what do I need to do so that my last few years glorify you and are pleasing to you? Now, you might be in the middle of this race, and it might be, Lord, what do I need to do to see a real change, a real turnaround? But wherever you're at, be helpful in your deliverance and ask God, what should I do? Who do I need to make amends with? What do I need to start doing that I've been ignoring? Oh, Lord. Go ahead and bow your hearts, please. Bow your hearts. Father, we love you so much, Lord. We love you so much. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. Father, I ask you to give your people a fighting spirit when they face the hard places of life. Father God, give your people a spiritually fighting spirit when they face the hard places of life. And help us, Lord, to be spiritually self-starters. Use us, Lord. To have a positive effect around those, those around us. And Lord, I pray, help us to be helpful in our deliverance. Help us to do our part, put aside excuses. Lord, whatever we need to do to finish strong, whatever we need to do to cooperate with you in this present place where we're at, show us. And give us the strength we need to declare what we believe and to act on it. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, fill every thirsty soul that's here. Refresh every weary life. Father, some people need healing. Father, in the name of Jesus, heal those that need a physical touch right now. Father, in Jesus' name, let healing power flow and work mightily. Father, some just need help. They've got family situations, situations on the job. Help them. Give them wisdom. Give them grace. Father God, some people just want to be part 
of what you're doing. Help them, Lord, to find their place. Help them to find their place. Help them to grow. Help them to improve. Help them to be useful. Father, I pray as they go, let this be a week of divine appointments. Let this be a week of growing and staying in step with the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, God bless you. Don't forget the offerings in the back. Watch your distancing as you go. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you on Wednesday.